We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Runes podcast. This episode 72 of the pod, the uh, the Richard Perry, the fridge episode, if you will. Um, Matt, we got we got a lot to talk about. It's a bear, Bears, it's a Bears football. victory podcast. We're, we're going, we're going bear. Yes, we haven't there, had there many of those. There hasn't been many of those in uh, the history of the podcast. What With five, five of them? and eleven Six last year? So this would be our yeah, sixth. something. This would be our, our sixth. sixth our sixth Bears victory podcast. We're going to try and keep it positive. Definitely a not a lot of things that do need to be cleaned up. Only week two, but the outlook is uh, head and shoulders better than it was a year ago, and, Very much and so. in the in the last five years better than it was. So a lot to be positive about with the Chicago Bears right now, coming out of uh, of Monday Night Football with a victory. Now a short turnaround week, always difficult. But uh, where do you want to start? Day off. Where, where do you want to start with the Bears focused. Do you want to start um, the positives? Do you want to start the things you want to build on? I'm going to let you – you should let me start it. I'm going to take the driver's seat here, and I'm going to I'm gonna let you you okay. take us where you want to go here. Where do you want not to start? Because uh, there are some good, that, there's some bad. Like you said, we got a lot to cover. Yeah. Not that one's fully positive and one's fully negative, but let's break this up offensive and defensive. Sure. Let's talk offensive side of the ball first. Um, obviously, the first thing you think about is the play of Mitch Trubisky and – how he does look like a guy who's only started 18 some odd games since high school. Still, he, he's showing the ability to shake off mistakes, but he's still making far too many mistakes. There was a, uh, little crossing route, uh, not Trey Burton. I forget who it was. Was it Anthony Miller or Alan? Was it, I think it was Alan Robinson crossing the field. It was six points. Would have been a 70 yard touchdown. Taylor Gabriel. It was Taylor Gabriel. Yeah. That seam route. Um, yeah, and he, he airmails them. It was great play design. Uh, he, I guess the positive in that play is that he recognized that something was going to come open, worked through his reads, looked off a of safety, just happened to airmail Taylor Gabriel. So there are things that are encouraging still about Mitch Trubisky, and I know I texted you last night that I'm not overreacting. I don't want to overreact. I refuse to overreact because it's such a you small size. You can't do it too size. early. But uh, you got to start to see him put one foot in front of the other and make progress. Because if you, if you have a quarterback in year two, I don't care how much experience he had prior to year two, but if you have a quarterback in year two who's not making progress, you have a problem. Now, for, for me, I'm with you. you. You do need to see some progress in year two. But part of that, I, I think there's a little bit of an asterisk next to it for me, is that this is his year two, yes, but this is also a brand new offense and a much more complicated offense at that. Last year it was the most vanilla possible offense. They didn't really ask him to do much at all. And I, I don't want to discredit the 12 games he played last year because he still played 12 or whatever it was. It was 12 in the NFL, still had a lot of experience. But this is a whole new experience. There's a whole lot more going on for him. So it's, it's still a, a big learning curve for me there. And I, yeah, but he learned how to throw a 25-yard crossing think, route. Can I well, let you know, at fifteen? Yes, no, I understand what you're saying, and I, I completely, Matt, I completely agree with it. But there are things that 
so I, I, athletes can I get, do quarterbacks can do there are still i mean there's still obviously after last night a lot of things left to clean up a lot of things to to be left desired for mitch but i mm-hmm. still like people I, I keep listening to talk radio on tv saying oh you know i just want to start seeing some flashes from mitch i want to start seeing these flashes seeing like why they dra- drafted him at number two i think we're seeing a lot of those flashes, like that throw to cohen last night off the mm-hmm. back foot kind of dropping it exactly where, where it needed to be that's a flash I think his the ability. Touchdown, the touchdown to Anthony Miller, people are giving him a hard time. He can't go left. Yeah, he rolls people say left he only rolls right. Throw on time. Left made a great throw. Did he make some mistakes last night? Absolutely. The the uh, interception, Allen Robinson, you can't underthrow that. It's got to be up in a high point where he can get it, or it's got to mm-hmm. be out of bounds. That's 100% true. The one that should have been a near an interception on the goal line that they end up settling for a field goal. That you can't make that throw. You just got to either eat it or throw it away, whatever you want to do. And the, the second interception, you can't really put that on him. It's a deflected ball at the line of scrimmage. I mean, people were saying, yeah, oh, that's terrible. The only thing, you can't you can't get on him too hard about that one. It's a deflected ball from the second level, though. You, you, you got to be careful. You got to on that. No, it was, uh, it was a D lineman, and, and who's the guy who was uh, insider trading? Hendricks, Kendricks, <laughs> Michael Kendricks, linebacker. Yeah, it was Michael Kendricks, who, um, one of the D linemen. Who oddly, last night, I don't know if he caught it. Like, after Kendricks made a play, like Booger McFarland was like praising him. He was like, you know, he, he's going to, he's facing this guy, jail this time. He's got season opportunity and he takes football, it. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to. I actually thought Booger McFarlane was fantastic last night. I yeah. people were criticizing the Monday Night Crew. I thought it was really good. I think Jason Witten's got some growing to do. Yeah, but I gotta, do like you got to give them time, just like you got to give your quarterback time. It's I the first his, time together. Jason Witten was on a football field. They uh, six months ago, eight months ago. They they actually brought up the viral picture. You know, the one of Trey Burton wide open in the end zone. And Witten uh-huh. kind of, uh, I don't know if you caught this or saw it, maybe you, you did or not. I did. Said, but yeah, he said exactly said, like, what I said. You can't take you, a freeze frame. You can't frame. take a freeze frame because it, it yeah. just it's not an accurate representation. You could probably take a freeze frame of just about every pass play I've ever run, and you'll find a guy in a situation that looks so like wide what open. Would, you, what would you, you be can't. accurate? Football is not what, a freeze frame game. What would be accurate, and I made this point last week uh, in the newsroom out here when people were showing me, oh, did you see him miss that? Did you see him miss that? I said, all right. I'm going to show you five pictures in sequence. Each one of them is going to flash for a half a second. You have to find the open receiver in that picture. You've never seen it before. Can you yeah. do that? Because that's more accurate of what the situation was. Mm-hmm. But we're not going to go back a week. No, but, Mitch, but back to Mitch. I, we're to be seeing, positive. Go ahead. Be yeah. positive. No, no, no. I was going to say to be positive. Like you're saying, you saw flashes even the first touchdown, the shovel pl- pass. As it's a perfect sexy read. of a play that is, that's a tough read. You got a first run read option to the outside. You got to run zone read to the left side. Then once you get past your first read, you got to identify your guy cutting across a very busy line to mm-hmm. then throw an accurate pitch. These are all things. It might not be uh, a. 65-yard pass downfield or a flash like people are hoping to see, but it's a flash nonetheless. I'm like I'm not, for me, worried about the accuracy. The, the, I'm, don't get me wrong. The Taylor Gabriel throw, he's got to hit that. That's open. I, I, but I, I've, I saw enough. I saw a lot from him last year that usually when he's comfortable, he has no problem making those throws. He made plenty of, of open throws, accurate throws last year. And I think last year when we talked about Mitch, that was kind of the one thing we always said we were impressed with how accurate he was on those kind of intermediate to deep balls. He, he was never really overthrowing or missing receivers that often. Just they didn't have guys who were able to get open. For me, he's just he's got to settle down a little bit. I, I think you can, I mean, the, the happy feet were better. I thought this week they weren't great, but they were a little bit less happy than they were in Green Bay in that second half. Mm-hmm. Um 
but I think he's feeling the weight of of this this team. Honestly, I think he's seeing how good the defense is. He's seeing the weapons around him, and I think he knows he's still got some development to do. But he also wants to just be there right now, and I think you can kind of see the weight kind of on his shoulders a little bit. And it's going to be a challenge for him to try and balance that with knowing that he needs to learn and kind of being patient for, because I can see that happy that the happy feet weren't the issue last year it, that that wasn't really a problem and we've kind of seen that come up these first two weeks a little bit more than we'd like yeah I don't really buy into that and a lot of people are making the point that oh because this defense is so good now Mitch is feeling the pressure no Mitch is feeling the pressure because he's the quarterback I think there's of a the lot charter of franchise of the NFL I don't think that's he, the only he, factor I think that's one uh, of a couple factors I don't think Go it on. can be. He can't allow it to be because then you're thinking about the other side of the ball and the other side mm-hmm. of the ball has less than a percentage to do with what you're doing on the, all that, all that the other side of the ball dictates for Mitch Trubisky is starting field position and the score. And he can, he can only do what he can do on the offensive side of the ball. If that is affecting him, then that's an issue that, that, that truly is an issue that, Someone needs to get in his head and clear that up because that can't be an issue. And everybody's making the the argument that, oh, the defensive side of the ball is so good that the onus falls 100% on no, Trubisky now. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. The onus every single Sunday falls 50% on the offense and 50% on the de- defense. Now, if one side of the ball is executing more than the other, which it's always going to be, you're, you're seldom going to come out of a game saying, man, both of those sides stunk it up or both of those sides really came to play today. There's always going to be a side that shined and and you can't put the onus on the opposite side I, I just don't prescribe to that but um a lot of good things out of the Bears offense uh you obviously don't want your touchdown interception ratio around two where Mitch is at right mm-hmm. around one excuse me where Mitch is at right now but 25 of 34 for 200 yards what did you make of the the rushing game yesterday only 86 yards total Jordan Howard went for 35 yards on 14 carries to me it looks like Jordan Howard has happy feet and yes he is a patient runner and you love to see that but there are some instances where you just got to get downhill and go get your five yards I'm kind of with you but I, I, that's kind of always how he's been running you hit it there on the head with Jordan Howard is a very patient runner I think that's what he does just about as well as anybody in the NFL is he's willing to after he gets that ball be patient wait for the hole to clear and not just run straight into the back of a guard and pick up you know a yard and a half two yards I think Mm -hmm. Seattle is banged up as that defense is pretty much just committed last night you know if they beat us through the air okay fine I can live with that we're not letting Jordan Howard beating us We're, we're not going to let him you know carry the ball 20 25 times run for 120 this is that, that's not how we're going to get beat if they can beat us through the air. We don't have a defense that can stop mm-hmm. both. Let's not let them run the ball. And they did that. Uh, an issue for me, which is probably always going to be somewhat of an issue in the Matt Nagy offense, is a lot of their running game is east and west stuff is a little bit cute. And I get that there is a strategy to that. But for me, you still have this Jordan Howard, this in-between-the-tackles type running back. And I get that you've got a lot of weapons in Taylor Gabriel, Tariq Cohen, who kind of stretch the field east and west, you know, get the corner, all that type of stuff. But there needs to be a little bit more of a balance where you still have that, you know, we're going to run inside zone with mm-hmm. Jordan Howard in between the tackles. You still need to establish that yeah. run because as soon as you do that, 
you're going to get more people crowded into the middle, more playing east that. And even if you're easier. getting east-west, like defenses don't really have to alter much of what they're doing because I, I don't need to jam the middle. I don't need to bring an extra linebacker in the box. If you're running jet sweep, if you're running you know outside zone read, stuff like that, I don't really need to worry about it because your guys going to be coming outside anyway, so why load up the box? But if you're running in between the tackles, I'm not saying – give the ball to Jordan Howard 30 times a game and run power, run inside zone. But, you know, 15 or so carries of Jordan Howard trying to pick up stuff in between the tackles. You have the line that can block it. You have the running back that can do it. That's only going to help out Mitch because if you're playing well, if you're if you're able to run the ball, pick up four yards a carry, that's going to draw an extra linebacker. That's going to draw safety down, whatever. And that's going to open things up for Mitch in the passing game. Well, I agree with you there that there is a little bit too much east-west when you have a runner like Jordan Howard, but I'm going to give Nagy the benefit of the doubt here and say that he's playing a little chess and not so much checkers. You can set up a lot off of that um, off of that jet sweep. Yeah, definitely. Oh, everything got, he's running right now is for a purpose. I have no doubt yeah, about that. If you, if you got that on film three times a game, teams are going to start keying on that. Then you run a little action off the jet sweep and – you just scored a game winner in a really meaningful game. So mm-hmm. I think he's putting that on film for a reason. You don't want to see it get to a an Alshon Jeffrey last year and the year before where it's without fail being run in the second quarter two times. Like you, you just can't mm-hmm. you can't get formulaic with it because then it's a loss of six every time you tee it up. So I do agree though. You got to get Jordan Howard downhill. You got to get him running. And you got to get him hitting those holes and. Uh, from a receiving from go ahead no i was gonna say like you kind of said there like Nagy, a lot of this stuff he's doing is to set up further stuff down the line and i'm going to guess that once we get into you know october november we're going to see a little bit more of that inside run game because i think a lot of this east west stuff like you said might be setting that up might be getting teams you know obviously they're going to have play action and plays off the jet sweep but if i have also taylor gabriel coming in motion off a jet sweep and i kind of fake that and give it to jordan howard going right that's going to get people moving left. That's going to get people respecting, like you said, open things then, up maybe for Jordan Howard, take one linebacker out of the play, whatever. When you start doing that, you get to the third iteration of it. You fake the jet sweep, you fake power the other way. And, and then it hits Allen back. Robinson for a touchdown. Exactly. Well, not even Allen Robinson. You hit Taylor Gabriel coming up the field on just, yeah. you know, he, he extends that route and then turns it up the sideline, gets lost, safety doesn't find him. It's a pitch and a catch. I, I think that we're going to see – that sort of um, attack, that approach grow. And I really hope we do. But from a passing standpoint last night, 200 yards receiving by the Bears across the board. Allen Robinson, what I'd love to see, he was targeted 14 times. 83 yards, 10 receptions, targeted 14 times. Only a long of 14 yards, but they are looking to get their playmaker the ball, mm-hmm. which is important. Now, I was, again, it's it's sports radio and it's just analysis, but usually, almost always after Bears games, I'm, I'm tuning in and listening to that stuff because I'm a sports radio junkie. But everybody, I'm hearing a lot of, oh, you know, Mitch throws to Allen Robinson too much. You know, it's a safety blanket, all that stuff. He's got to pass, you know, spread around the ball a little bit more. It's like, I don't think at all he does. If they're giving him a one-on-one matchup with Allen Robinson, you take that every time. Allen Robinson's in a position where he's going to be Mitch's first read, you know, eight times out of ten. If that's he's your, your first read, target on, exactly, he's that, your number one target on the field. Allen Robinson, to, Allen Robinson is not, Mitch's safety blanket as much as Antonio Brown is Ben Roethlisberger's safety. Like, it's not a criticism to target your best player on offense. I, I don't get like why it's that's two thousand and eighteen. It's not a safety blanket. It's your guy. It's the best player on the field mo- most of the time. He's on the field. He's that good of a receiver. He's a game changer. Now, am I saying every week that Jordan Howard and Allen Robinson should have the same amount of targets and touches? No, I'm not. 
but it should be somewhere in that range. Jordan Howard's your game breaker at running back, and Allen Robinson's your game breaker at wide receiver. It's 2018. You have to find a way to get the ball into playmakers' hands, no matter what position they play. Mm-hmm. And targeting Allen Robinson 14 times is exactly what Mitch Trubisky needs to do to grow as a quarterback. Uh, in uh, we're sitting here in Oakland, where uh, Amari Cooper was targeted twice week one, and that was all anyone talked about for the entirety of the week. Comes out, he's targeted 15 times this week, has 10 receptions. All is well in the world again. It's all about how you frame the thing. And I'm not saying that Allen Robinson is Amari Cooper, but he's he's the number one he's, there. He's that type Allen of player. Allen Robinson's the number one here, and you got to get the number one the ball. And I mean, I, I, I'd love to – who was – I obviously didn't hear what you were hearing, but um, who was making this point? Uh, I was listening. It, it was he's either, a safety blanket. I had because there's a lot of people. I had 1,000 on it. There's a lot of people morning. that are – are just simply going to go the contrarian route and say whatever Mitch did was wrong. Even if they run up the scoreboard, they score 35, 42 points, whatever you want to call it, they're going to find a flaw in his game because that's what Chicago Sports Talk Radio does is they find the flaw (laughs) in in quarterback quarterback play. It's been easy in the past. Hopefully it's not as easy anymore, but they're still going to do it. Yeah, Um, and I I had a good point. I forgot what I was going to say, Joe. Sorry, I you know you were just no, you were you're speaking so eloquently. I kind of forgot right, well, where I was you. going. I, with I just, I just don't. Um, I don't understand why. You know, it, the the glass have to, has to be half empty at all times in, in Chicago, and I think we're in a situation where the glass is half full right now, and we gotta we gotta view it as such. And I, I to take some positives out of it. I know we've been for the most part picking apart. You know the 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 negatives of Mitch's night last night, even though I don't think either say it was a bad night. It wasn't a good night either. Two positives to take out of it were again, a, he, when he had a scripted drive like that uh, to open up the game, he went marched down the field, 96 yards, bears went and scored a touchdown. And at the end of that game, when they were up 10, three and kind of needed to put together a drive in the fourth quarter, marched down the field, put together a touchdown drive, finished off with a beautiful throw across his body to Anthony Miller. So that's not Two weeks in a row where, A, he started out the game perfectly, exactly how you want him to do, went down the field, scored a touchdown. And for the second week in a row, late in the fourth quarter, you know, when they kind of needed to salt the game away, he put together a long drive and granted the one in Green Bay. He didn't finish but still came up with, you know, with points. It's it's two times in a row where say what you want about, you know, his happy feet and all that stuff. When he really needed to put together a drive when the offense had been stalling for a while, they did. They did. Credit the play calling, credit the quarterback. They went down the field, they picked up points. This time it happened to be a touchdown. Yeah. It's uh, it's not going to go 100% every single drive. And you could uh, decide to focus on the bad drives uh, from a standpoint of, you know, we're stuck there. Or you could say, hey, let's clean these things up and let's focus on the good drives. Yeah. And, um, this isn't was something a lot that's going to change overnight. He's not one yeah. week just going to completely flip the switch. We're going to see baby steps. We're going to see one week at a time, hope to see him kind of progress every week. There's going to be a setback at some point. He's going to have a bad game or two down the road, but he's still growing. It's a new year and a new offense. And again, this is a guy that probably shouldn't have been starting until this year, but because we had Mike Glennon last year, uh, oh, long neck. <laughs> we were really left with no other choice. And, you know, people are all over Patrick Mahomes and having such a great start to the year. And rightfully so. He's been fantastic. But he also had a year on the bench behind a very experienced quarterback in Alex Smith who knew, the co- who knew the offense perfectly. And he has great weapons around him, a great coach, and he had a year on the bench to learn that offense before being put into it and running it. 
So I think there that that goes to show you that a this isn't real. I don't think this is a comparable situation between the two of them, but also the value of actually getting that time to develop when you know quarterbacks come into the league and people say, well, he's a, not a project, but a guy who needs to sit for a year. The value they act, that actually comes with that sitting for a year. We actually got to see that. We're, we're seeing that with Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, what worries me, Matt, is that through two weeks now, you're um, you're bringing up pretty irrelevant points in the development of Mitch Trubisky. Like, I, I, I agree that that year on the bench, two years, three years, however long, you would have been able to sit him and had the, um, you know, had the luxury of sitting him mm-hmm. would have benefited him. But that's that's not the situation situation that Mitch Trubisky came in. So that point to me is is no, null. All he's I'm just saying is I, I'm, I'm happy he's our quarterback. He is our quarterback. All I'm saying is we knew coming into this year that this was still going to be another year of not quite as yeah. much development as last year, but still a developmental year. But now by week two, when we see him, you know, having those ups and downs and what's a developmental year, we're already at the point where, you know, people are saying he's not the guy. He's terrible. We need we, we, we need another quarterback, whatever. We don't know that yet. We're not going to know it likely for a couple more months. Hey, maybe hang on to Brian Hoyer and let him learn behind him. But, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. Well, hindsight Chase Daniel, is- Chase Daniel's not the worst guy, I guess, to have him you know, with him in the quarterback room, knows this offense like the back of his hand. So that's probably not the worst guy to have helping him along the way. But the offense by no means, yeah, the offense by no means, Matt, where it needs to be, but hopefully they'll get there in the next few weeks. The defense keeping them in ball games, and uh, in this case getting the job done in the second half. Five sacks in the first half. Uh, I don't think they got to the quarterback in the second half, but the pressure was there. Excuse me, they did have the one strip sack. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know if it was right. Yeah, it was right around the line of scrimmage. I'm not sure if that was uh, ruled. I believe they gave it a sack, yeah. Okay, but uh, the defense looked fantastic yesterday. Outside of the defensive back play, uh, something needs to be done with the cornerbacks. I understand Prince of Mukamura sealed the game with uh, a pick six, uh, had it on his tip sheet, knew it was coming. Great job by a veteran player, but he got beat a couple times earlier in the game, and uh, Kyle Fuller is showing that contract regression that you hate to see. I'm so I'm with you in that Kyle Fuller needs to learn Turn when he turns damn the head ball. around. I'm still not as down on Kyle Fuller as a lot of people are because other than those two plays, we haven't really noticed him all that much this year. And both those two plays that beat him, well, absolutely, especially last night more than the Green Bay one, but both most likely, he's got to turn around, look for the ball, make a play on it. He's been he's back in, to he's back to his sheepish tackling okay. ways too. It's not just in coverage. I was going to say he's been in perfect position, and it's taken two absolutely perfect throws to beat him both of those times. But yeah, but I haven't noticed I could, the tackling as much as you have. I could find you. I could find you a thousand guys playing college football right now that could run a go route foot step for step with a wide receiver. The the ability and the decision making and the wherewithal to get your head around and defend the pass is what makes you an NFL defensive back. Spatial awareness is what makes you an NFL defensive back. Knowing that you're two steps from the end line and it's time to get your damn head around is what makes a great defensive back. He's not. And we're we're now paying him like a great defensive back. I want to be positive about this defense, but Kyle Fuller is a problem that will continue to rear his head unless someone gets in his ear now. Well, let's hope that somebody's doing that. Are you understand what I'm saying though? You no, can't I, I'm be with on, you. You can't be on the back line of the end zone and not have your head turned around. 
I'm with you. I'm not saying that he's perfect by any means, that there isn't stuff to work on. I'm just saying that for the most part, other than those two plays, I haven't really noticed him much this year, which is, for me as a corner, that's not the worst thing in the world. Uh, he's he's leaving a ton to be desired on my I, I'm with you. I'm not he, saying there's not more to be desired. I'm not saying he's a top He only laid three tackles against Green, Green Bay. He got beat over the top, dropped a pick. It's just... It, it's not what you want out of your um, – I don't know if they're playing him to the boundary or if they're playing him to the field. It's not what you want out of one of your cornerbacks. And for, like I said, for as good as Prince of Mukamura came up in that position, um, he's just looking a bit long in the tooth. I thought he was better point. He was better last night than he was for Screen Bay. But yeah, I, the bar I was he wasn't, pretty low. But. He wasn't fantastic last night, but I, I thought it was at least a better night for him. Um, uh, inside the box, though, to go positive, there's, there's – I don't know there if there's a, a better seven in the NFL. I don't. I really don't know much about LA's linebacking core, but I know their front their front four is great. But this front seven is looks like they can take over games, and, and they started to yesterday. Uh, obviously, Russell Wilson going to do what he does in those you know tempo type situations. Khalil Mack still looking a little bit fatigued. Come towards the end, there quarter. they kind of got him on the side. Yeah, but, that, good that's, shot, but that's going to happen. That he's comes not, with playing he's football. Yeah, he's he's going to get there, and um, another strip sack, uh, another uh, that was another kinda, sh- another strip. Just kind of stuck his arm out and grabbed the ball. Again. Well, that, that's the thing. That's the thing, and I, I know I said it in terms of defensive back, but spatial awareness, knowing that you're four feet from the mm-hmm. from the quarterback because you have your head up, your eyes up, you're not focused on the man that's blocking you. You're focused on the ball because you have a nose for it. And he has such a nose for the ball that when he turned that corner, he knew he was behind Russell Wilson. So all I can really do in this position, I can't get to the quarterback, but his arm's about to come towards me. Let me Mm -hmm. put my hand out. You know, that type of spatial awareness. And I I don't know if there's anyone better in the game at it, at least what I've seen through two games than Khalil Mack. He's just got such a nose for the ball. He's going to beat you with speed. He's going to beat you with power. And I I hope we can, for the next five years, just – continually lean on how lucky we are to have him anchoring this defense. Yeah, I think I'm just going to, I think I'm probably going to ask this question every week, but how the hell did Oakland trade him? <laughs> how the hell did they trade this guy? I don't care. Uh, I guess I've never been from. one for patience either, but uh, yeah, you how can't did you trade him. Uh, I had but, the thought, I had the thought yesterday and I'll let you, I'll let you go after this, but I had the thought yesterday of, does Khalil Mack go into the Hall of Fame as a Bear or a Raider? I hope he has the type of career with the Bears where it's no question he's a Chicago Bear when he's putting on his gold jacket. Oh, it'll be a Bear. Let me not I get ahead of ourselves here. <laughs> um, another bright spot, I mean, the the two middle linebackers last night, Trevathan yeah. and Ren Roquan. Roquan didn't do anything terribly flashy, uh, but he also he led the Bears in solo tackles last night with seven. Trevathan, um, I, I know the D-line is getting all the, the pub, and rightfully so. They played fantastic last night. But Trevathan led the team in tackles, had two sacks, I believe, had that one forced fumble. He was all over the field last night. And how about Aaron Lynch, too? I'm not sure how much of his week one performance can be attributed to still being a little bit banged up from, uh, I believe it was a hamstring uh, mm-hmm. in camp. But he was, I thought, fantastic last night. I think he looked a little bit rejuvenated. I'm not, again, not sure what it was in week one. But he looked like a new player, one that you can absolutely have on the field as, you know, your third defensive end, outside yeah. linebacker, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Sports Center put out a side by side comparison of Khalil Mack and the entire Oakland Raiders defense, and he is He has out three more sacks, I think. He has three more sacks, he has a touchdown, he has one interception, they have one interception. He's just he's putting up better numbers than the entire Oakland defense right now. But to your point, Matt, of uh, 
of the linebackers kind of playing cleanup duty yesterday because this defensive line does require so much attention. Mm-hmm. That, that's what you want. These are these are individual position groupings, but when they work as cohesive units, someone's going to look really good, and, and someone else is not going to look bad, but they're, they're going to be the reason that someone else looks good. So this linebacker group is really benefiting from the play of the defensive line and vice versa. Gotta see the defensive backfield be brought in as that third cohesive unit because when that happens, then you have a defense that nobody or few are going to be able to move the ball on. Yeah, and in, in terms of the defensive backfield, I thought Eddie Jackson and Amos, again, were fine last night. And I think that's uh, that's kind of what you look for out of safety play for them, unless they're making interceptions. For the most part, with safeties, you kind of want to not you notice them for the most part yeah, because don't you're be, really don't unless, be drastically out of position and let yeah, unless they're making the middle some, of the field for eighty yards. You know, yeah, that's, that's well, what you don't want to. He see. got aggressive, tried to make a play. It was a wrong decision, but deeper I, than the deepest. I'm wi- I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just defending. <laughs> we should be two and zero. Like we should be two. We and should up. be two and zero. But that's not the only that's that's not the only reason we're not. There's several. Um, but that's it. I thought both of them were good last night. Amos, uh, let's see, had four tackles. Jackson had three. I think Eddie Jackson had either that sack. He, he did have a sack last night. Yeah. Uh, but again, those three, again, th- those two, we didn't he had a sack so much, last night good. because he had a sack last night because like four people Russell missed Russell Wilson's world Wilson. was, Russell Wilson's world was collapsing. Both sides of the pocket were coming at him. All his only option was to tuck the ball from ten yards <laughs> deep of the line of scrimmage and try to get back to the line of scrimmage. And Eddie Jackson. I think met him about a yard deep, but like I said, that's that's what happens when you got that type of pressure. And if teams are, are recognizing that the weakness of this defense is the cornerback play, and they're going to try and attack us vertically because of that, well, God bless, because you're not going to have much time to get vertical. Because yeah. if if you're if you're passing the ball sixty to eighty percent of the times against this Bears defense. Khalil Mack and the rest of that they're going to get to Akeem Hicks. They're going to pin their ears back and come after you. Akeem Hicks was another guy. He didn't really. It didn't show up a ton on the stat sheet last night, but he just absolutely wreaks havoc. And yeah, he was it, getting so much pressure. And when you get that pressure, I mean, obviously edge rushing is huge because that's where you're going to get the most speed, get to the quarterback, you know, most of the time. But if you can get that, that pressure up the middle, the, yeah, there, there's nothing like that. The quarterback, the, the quarterback feels that pressure more than just about any. If, you, if you're standing in that pocket and it's collapsing on you from right in front of you, that's that's when you get the happy feet. That's when you try to move out of it. And then you're going to roll right into Khalil Mack. Yeah. Run game, pass game, doesn't matter. Akeem Hicks's job is to reset the line of scrimmage and he is, he's requiring a double team. And he's that's doing what you it. want from the, from the middle of the field. And um, just, just fantastic play from that defensive line. I, I'm, I'm once again excited to watch Bears football, especially this defensive side of the ball on a week-to-week basis. I mean, this, it's, a be- it's a beautiful thing. This has the potential to be the best Bears defense we've seen in our lifetime, and we saw pretty – what, what are you doing? Is that a breathing? Slow down. No, no, Sam, I said, that's, I, I that's said a deep breath. I said that's potential. a deep breath. I didn't say they we've will We've seen be. some good defenses po- I know. I said potential. We've seen Don't, some historically you, you, good defense. You can't tell me the potential is not there. I'm not saying no, it's going it to happen. The it potential, is. which is exactly what I said. So, you know, why don't you just... Until they start scoring defensive touchdowns at the rate of the uh, Tommy Harris, Alex Brown, Well, they're Lance two for Briggs. two. Yeah, I guess so. They're two for two, so. so... I'm trying to think, who are the DBs those years? Who are our defensive backs in those, Peanut like, in and, that, like, 05 Nathan, range? Nathan Vasher. Peanut. And it's basically Vasher. peanut and a revolving door of you know one year wonders on that other corner on the other Nathan, side. And Nathan Vasher, we never had the a safety. The most now uh, after Mike Brown, they could never replace him. Yeah, 
still but, fun. Um, no, things are uh, things are definitely looking good on that defensive side of the ball. It's um, it's once again it's once again exciting to be a Bears fan, and I think that's most important. You now travel to Arizona for a it's meeting be a with, a, with a lowly Cardinals team. You cannot misstep, and because uh, you could by all means be going into Week Four looking at a a four and zero Buccaneers team, but uh, can't get ahead of ourselves. Got to take them one at a time. But there's there's no reason that. The Bears should not be welcoming the Patriots three weeks from now, sitting on a four and one record. I, 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 I really feel that. No, no, I, I know Tampa's off to this great start, and that's that's fine and all that. I still yeah. don't buy regress who they to the are. mean. I think is what's going to yeah, happen. I, I still don't really buy who they are. Th- their weapons over the top, up top, do worry me a little bit because my, Deshaun Jackson and Mike Evans can give any two corners in the NFL problems, not just you know. The two we have. Neither of them can really run the route tree, though. That's, that's why they true. don't they're, they're scare both, me. They are. That, that's a fair. It's point. more they're like much just get me to space threats. and get me the yeah. ball is the type of offensive attack. And sometimes that's even harder to defend because it's it's unpredictable. But you know, I pass just, him off to a safety, stay with him, whatever you're going to do. It, God bless um, him. He's off to an unbelievable start. I just Ryan Fitzpatrick. Fitz Magic is who we thought he is. <laughs> this isn't Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's not going to keep doing this. He is who we thought he is, and I went mm-hmm. when if if he's still starting when that rolls around, which I, I think he will be, unless he goes and has an epically bad Monday night. Um, I'm just not all that worried. I guess I don't really call me crazy, but I I think he's going to regress to the mean by the yeah. time they play us. Four and one come New England. Anything less is a failure. That's, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> you, you have the right to believe that. All right, Matter. Well, we did it last week, and I think uh, people enjoyed it. I know we enjoyed it, but uh, let's whip it around the league a little bit here and uh, just our knee-jerk reactions on a on a game-to-game basis. What do you say? I'm, I'm with it. Let's go. All right. Um, maybe pipe in some, some like, the boomer Monday night countdown yeah. music here. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I can do that. I can do that. <laughs> what? Like that's a sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, I can't do that. I can't pull it off okay. like Boomer can or the the barstool guys can. Okay, well I'm just filling right now until there we go. I needed to pull up the games and the scores. All right, we're gonna kick things off. Uh, Thursday night matchup between the Bengals and the Ravens. Your knee jerk takeaway: thirty four to twenty three Bengals. Uh, I, I the Bengals might be kind of good. I know AJ yeah. Green's really good still, um, and the Ravens aren't. My that's takeaway my here is that. No, my takeaway here is that both of these teams look like they've looked for the last three years. The Bengals, uh, we do this every year. We get hyped about A.J. Green and the potential of the offense, and then they end up going a game or two over 500. This uh, might be one be- of the years where they kind of luck their way into the playoffs and then, again, lose in the first round. Yeah, uh, could be a big blow to the offense. I know Joe Mixon's dealing with something with his knee. Uh, 21 carries for 84 yards last week. Not sure if he's going to be ready to go this week. We trudge along to a divisional matchup between the Falcons and the Panthers. The Falcons come away victorious 31-24. to uh, That dirty hit on Cam obviously made its rounds, but uh, my biggest takeaway here was Matt Ryan uh, stepping back up to the plate after uh, a, a week one performance that uh, left much to be desired and played a fantastic game against uh, a rival. I would say both quarterbacks for me uh, stepped up yeah. after. I know, I know the Panthers won, but they put up, I think, only 16 points against the Cowboys. Both quarterbacks, for me, stepped up, played really good games against not bad defenses by any stretch. 
And okay, here's here's not only a knee jerk but a but a hail mary. Sure. Christian Christian McCaffrey is going to silently put together a sneaky and I'm, I'm, I hate to make the comparison because everyone compares little people, little guys to Darren Sproles, but he's going to put together a sneaky Hall of Fame career in the in the likes of Darren Sproles. I, I wouldn't shy. I think he actually runs the ball better than Darren Sproles, and he's yeah. as as electric out of the backfield kind of receiving. I, I love Christian McCaffrey. I just with Cam Newton on that team, he's never going to be the focal point that people talk about because Cam is such an electric player from that quarterback position and so you know outspoken that he's going to draw more media attention but I'm with you I think Christian McCaffrey is going to be a fantastic player in that offense for a long time Chargers and Bills 31-21 the Chargers emerge victorious I'd say this is probably the game that I saw the least of this weekend yeah I didn't but, see uh, just it. looking just looking at the stat line Lip Rivers doing early season stuff 23-27 at for 256 three touchdowns no interceptions that's how you win ball games yeah uh, for me it's it's Melvin Gordon uh, Melvin Gordon's a yeah. really good player and he's a much better receiver uh, out of the backfield than I thought he was going to be coming out of college Vikings Packers 29-29 tie number two kickers can't kick uh, I think that come season's end this tie might really benefit the Bears that was yeah because the Bears are going to win the NFC North now because they both tied <laughs> no uh, my takeaway is uh, I think maybe Aaron Rodgers and the Packers might be regretting how much they uh, they went crazy off Anther was Anthony Barr's hit last year because mm-hmm. the only reason roughing Clay Matthews got called for that roughing the passer and that's considered a penalty now is because of how nuts they went on the Anthony Barr hit on Rodgers last year. So it's yeah. kind of funny for me how that comes full circle. Should that be roughing the passer? Absolutely not. But, I mean, he kind of drove him into the ground. People are saying, what does he need to do? Well, what you need to do is after you wrap up and you kind of turn and throw him to the ground. That's that's how you avoid that penalty. It's, it shouldn't be a penalty by any means. But no, I, I, com- I completely agree. But I everyone's talking about everyone's talking about the penalty and everyone's talking about the missed kicks. How about the Packers letting up 22 fourth quarter points? That, yeah. That's that's not a way to win a football game. They, they blew a 20-point lead and, and ended up tying 29-29. So. Not only that, like um, they had that interception of Cousins and ended up not being able to punch it in from where they were. And kind of like what the Bears did last week, just said, eh, we'll just kind of play a conservative settle for the field goal when you have Aaron Rodgers. Um, yep. Didn't work. They kicked the field goal. Obviously, the Vikings went right back down and scored. Texans versus Titans. The Titans moved to one and one. The Texans fall to 0-2. I, I had the Texans doing a lot more than this. Uh, they lost 20-17 to to the Titans. Uh, I'm starting to think this is Bill O'Brien's last year with the Texans. Yeah. Um, to Deshaun Watson, I'm still more on what I kind of said week one. I'm not really sure if the, you know, if the, the quarterback we saw for four weeks last year is the actual Deshaun Watson. I think the one we're seeing now might be a little bit more of that. Um, I, I'm not going to say he's a bad quarterback, but I don't think he's this electric. I'm the best quarterback of all time. Um, and Will Fuller, uh, I'm going to got to bring him up because loved him from his Notre Dame we days. We are. We are. He is as electric of a deep threat as there is in the NFL. Yeah, he's. Uh... He's a true game breaker with his downfield ability. If he can stay healthy, stay on the field, he's, he's going to have a really nice career. Eight receptions, 113 yards, and a touchdown on Sunday. It's amazing about, how uh, much easier he makes lives for quarterbacks. Yeah. To uh, to digress a bit here, we got another St. Brown uh, playing college mm-hmm. football right USC. now. USC. 
uh, USC, and there's another St. Brown at Stanford right now. I don't know if he's related, but he's got another, it's like Osiris St. Brown, so I assume he is. Yeah, they all have weird first names. Yeah, (laughs) they all speak French, they all have weird first names, and they all run four threes. The USC one, I watched that Texas game, he's, I mean, USC, there weren't many bright spots. He was the where's, spot, though. Where's Equinemius right now? Uh, I think he's actually in Green Bay. I bet I don't think he's yeah. playing because I haven't seen him. But I'm, I'm, I'm fairly certain he either was drafted like the seventh round or picked up as an undrafted free agent. Watch this transition. From St. Brown to the Saints. Browns and Saints. <gasps> oh, my God. That was. <laughs> you got so lucky that that game was listed right under. And I didn't even I didn't even see I just saw the Saints I, I forgot that the Saints played the Browns so Saint Brown to Saint Browns ah, win's great win. stuff great stuff podcasting magic right there the Saints win twenty one to eighteen uh, too close for comfort and should have been a game that the that the Browns won again, once again won but uh, uh, what was his name Dwayne what's Gonzalez's first name Zane. he got cut doesn't matter Zane I was gonna say Dwayne. Dwayne the Rock Gonzalez, um, Zane Zane Gonzalez. This is just the wordplay game right here. Um, Zane Gonzalez gets cut after essentially costing the Browns two wins in the first two weeks uh, of the season. You, you hate to see a guy crumble under pressure like that, but the Saints escape with a W. I mean, I think my reaction is: Were we dead wrong on the Saints in our in our preseason predictions? Were we dead wrong on the Saints or were we dead wrong on the Browns? I don't think I either. I kind of gave the Browns a little bit of credit. I gave the Browns some credit. You were the yeah. one who was saying you weren't buying it anything. I said I think they can win five, six games. Yeah, which I still think that they can. Yeah, um, uh, but I just, I don't, I don't get the Saints. I mean, I know Tampa's off to this great start, but they're not that good and the Saints couldn't stop anything there. And here against the Browns, they couldn't move the ball at all. I know the Browns have a good defense, but the Saints have Drew Brees and as many weapons as, as you could want. Yeah, and that's why I don't overreact on it because Drew Brees is a, I don't you know, football talk, football guy jargon, but he's such a gamer in the way he prepares that he's going to have this team where they need to be come weekend. Hey, they and say if, they had a they oh two oh and two start last year, I think too, and we we also yeah. So I, I'm not I'll overreact when you got a first year, second year quarterback well, or a or a career backup as your quarterback and you're zero and two. But if you're one and one with Drew Brees, despite the way you got to one and one. I still like your chances. You know, there. I just wanted to check. They're at Atlanta this weekend. I think we'll know a lot more about who yeah. they are after a little bit more of a they, they, stuff. they go to the what's it, the Mercedes Benz Dome or whatever they're calling it now. No free sponsorship. Yeah. Well, unless Mercedes wants to send us some <laughs> some product, I'd happily take that. I'll take a hat. Even just a hat. I'll I would drive love my a hat. Jeep, drive my Jeep in a Mercedes hat. Give me like a like a like a like a track jacket. I love that. Yeah. Just pretend I'm Lewis Hamilton. Sign autograph. <laughs> All right, moving on. Dolphins and Jets in a AFC matchup here, a divisional matchup. The Dolphins win twenty to twelve in an underwhelming game. Uh, speaking of teams that we gave not enough credit, I think after Week One we gave the Jets a little too much credit. They are who we thought they were, Joe. Perfect. I mean, they are. Perfect. Both of these teams are probably not much. It's nice to see that the Dolphins are out to a two and zero start. Their defense has played, you know, pretty well through two starts, but they haven't really gone up against much yet. Um, and I think Sam Darnold is just going to be kind of a roller coaster all year, uh, like people thought he might. He's going to have these extreme highs. He's going to have the low lows. Speaking of roller coasters, Chiefs Steelers was a roller coaster of a watch. Uh, a fantastic ball game if you're into offense. Forty-two to thirty-seven. I enjoy offense. Patrick Mahomes with six touchdown passes, uh, a record-setting number for a rookie quarterback in the first two weeks of play. 
again, not too high, not too low. Can't get crazy, but he looks fantastic. And he does. The way he's operating that offense right now with the weapons that he has is a lot of fun to watch. I mean, it really is, and I can't stress enough the weapons he has. Is he has? He's got fantastic options. There's not a more electric player in the NFL than Tariq Hill. Um, Travis Kelsey after Gronk might be the best tight end in the game. Kareem Hunt's a running back who's still kind of coming into his own after a fantastic rookie year. So that, that Chiefs team, that offense is, is dangerous. I mean, I don't think Sammy Patrick Watkins, Mahomes is Sammy Watkins is Sammy be a Watkins sneaky, another name. good second option well, at wide receiver. Well, that's, that's who Sammy Watkins is when you when you have him on your team. Yeah, we said it Like the Bills yeah. did and even the Rams to an extent last year. He's not that guy, but he is when he's not the, the focal point, especially in offense like that where – I mean, he's, I know he's the second wide receiver. He might be the third option on that team, the fourth option on that team. He's going to be really, really good and really dangerous. Shout out to the Clemson grads. Also, the, uh, the Steelers defense, I mean, I know it hasn't been the same for a while, but man, we grew yeah, up with the Steelers Le'Veon defense. defense because we grew up with that defense right like being awesome, like, you know, steel curtain, like that, that was their team growing up for us. Yep. And I know, obviously, missing Ryan Shazier hurts a lot, but even with a healthy Ryan Shazier last year, like they were a back half of the NFL type defense. So it's just a weird team to see, you know, used to be so deep defensive oriented. Now they have to win by shootouts for the most part. Yeah. Uh, Steelers got a lot to figure out at Oh one and one Eagles and Buccaneers. The Bucks take down to the defending Super Bowl champions, 27 to 21 Ryan Fitzpatrick with a second straight 400 yard passing performance. My takeaway here is uh, all that glitters is not gold. Yeah. All I can take away is that, there's no more quarterback controversy, and this is this is Carson Wentz's team. No more co- quarterback contra- controversy on on either side of that ball, though. I think that Ryan, this is Fitzpatrick's team until he really oh, really I, trips up. I totally agree with you. Uh, I don't. I, yeah. see, I don't even think that's much of an argument at this point. I just with Wentz kind of being cleared to play, and people saying, "Well, Nick Foles is good. He won the Super Bowl last year. Yes, he's good, but he's the best backup quarterback in the NFL for a reason." Colts. Colts versus Redskins. The Colts go to one and one. The Redskins go to one and one. Twenty-one to nine. Colts win. I take it back. This is the game that I saw the least. <laughs> I, said, I, mean, I, I had red zone on, so I, I luckily got to see you know bits and pieces from a lot of these games. Um, mm-hmm. Nice to see Andrew Luck back and kind of doing what he does. He seems pretty healthy. <laughs> My takeaway from this is the Cardinals must be really bad because the Redskins absolutely throttled them in week one. I know the score probably didn't suggest, I think it was like 24 to six, but the Redskins were in control the entire way. They were able to do whatever they want. Um, and they just look clueless at home against an okay Colts team. I don't think they're a bad team, but they're not anything special. They lost to the Bengals in week one. So the Cardinals must be really bad. That's my takeaway from Colts Redskins. Rams versus Cardinals, 34 to nothing. My takeaway, print the shirts. The Rams look fantastic. Yeah, well, if you remember what I just said about the last game, the Cardinals must be really Cardinals bad. Cardinals are very good. Uh, stop Cardinals David are, Johnson and you stop the Cardinals. Pretty much, yeah. Um, I actually wonder if we're going to see um, Josh Rosen next week or a different quarterback. I don't think they're going to go to him yet, but that's, be a, that's starting be a to be leaked tough out Tough introduction to the league <laughs> Yeah, that, Josh Rosen. That's why I don't think we're going to see it yet because that's almost an unfair Hey, Josh, this is Khalil. You guys make nice. Try and avoid him at all costs. But no, the Rams are really good. Uh, and again, yeah. I, I'm loving my uh, my MVP pick here with Todd Gurley. I know he didn't have the greatest game on the ground, but he was involved in the offense in, in a bunch of different ways. I, only 42 yards rushing, but three touchdowns. So Todd and Gurley, everyone man. knows. Everyone knows LA is a football town. Oh, always has been, always will be. 
<laughs> 49ers Lions. The 49ers escape with a 30 to 27 victory, blowing a 17 point fourth quarter lead, but uh, still able to get out of here. My takeaway here is that the 49ers offensive line is not only skilled, but they have depth. They were without their starting center and one of their starting guards. Their other starting guard was playing with a sprained foot, and they still managed to rush for 200-plus yards. So Is, uh, the, is Mike uh, McGlinchey out on the left side there? Is he playing left tackle McGlinchey, or right? McGlinchey looks like a veteran already. Is he, he, is is he on the playing, left side or the right? He's playing the right side. They're okay, leaving Staley good. at left and letting him letting him groom Mike at right. Um, but even last week when when those injuries happened, they, they bumped him down to guard and he didn't miss a step. He no. is going to have – He's and I know it's easiest to say this about offensive line play, but he's going to be a guy who has a 12, 15-year career. He's yeah. just – you know, you see his, his physicality and his skill uh, on TV and his speed, and I even saw it at camp. I got to see it at camp how – talented of an athlete this kid was mm-hmm. but until you see it on a Sunday and watch him actually move it's uh, it's something special and he's going to be something special um, the 49ers I still think they're a 500 ball club I, I, I don't think that you can lean on Matt Breida and expect him to run for a buck 36 every week uh, but uh, uh, they look good last week and they, they just got to find a way to close out ball games. Their offense uh, it almost seems like it's kind of the polar opposite of the Bears where it seems like they kind of have their quarterback in place and great. he's very inexperienced but also in terms of gameplay, but he's also sat behind Tom Brady for however many years. But mm-hmm. they just don't really have the weapons around him, whereas in Chicago, they have all the weapons around him. Just, we were waiting on that quarterback to grow. Yeah, and they put the pieces around him. They, they got him yeah. Derek McKinnon. McKinnon gets a knee. They got him uh, Marquise Goodwin. Marquise Goodwin's got a thigh bruise, a deep bone bruise from week one. So, you know, you had those weapons. George Kittle can't be your number one option, and mm-hmm. he very much was on Sunday. So. Um, but nonetheless, 49ers move to 1-1. One and one. Lions move to 0-2. Oh uh, they are who they thought they were. Yeah, pretty much. Belichick disciples. <laughs> They're uh, still not great head coaches. Raiders-Broncos. Chucky moves to 0-2 oh on a last-second field goal from Brandon McManus. 20-19, uh, the Broncos walk away victorious. Yeah. Um, speaking of speaking yeah. of blowing second-half leads. I uh, mentioned this earlier. How do you trade Khalil Mack? Uh, Derek yep. Carr, I, I don't really know how they blew that lead. Derek Carr had a fantastic game, 29-32, 288 mm-hmm. yards. They wasted that performance. 90, 90% <laughs> completion percentage, and I believe he was like 114 or something at QB yeah. rating. And I'm also not sure how this many people let Philip Lindsay get off their radar just because he was a little bit short. Uh, he, yep. he had over 100 yards rushing on just 14 carries. Uh, didn't see his reception total, but uh, I, I would imagine he was a factor out of the backfield in that way as well. He's a really good player. The silver lining here is that the Raiders' offense was non-existent in week one. They switched things up. As we said earlier in the pod, started, I think, targeted Amari Cooper 14 times, something in that range. Double-digit targets for Amari Cooper. I think he had 10 receptions, 116 yards. So offensively, they look like it's still there. Marshawn Lynch has surprised me with how effectively he can still run the Yeah, football. he looks like he's kind of rejuvenated this year after Defensively, there is year. nothing there. There yeah. is nothing there. So, And Bruce uh, Irvin's a nice be. player when he's the complimentary pass rushing out when he's and the And Bruce Irvin's a nice rusher. player when he's not taking second down off. I, I spot-shattered him on a play yesterday in one of my sports casts where inside of a minute left in the game, up by two points and – he was standing straight up at the snap of the ball, did the laziest spin move, and ended up like four yards downfield as Case Keenum scrambled for seven yards the other way. So There was um, nothing more fun to block as an offensive lineman than a lazy spin move. It was so much a fun. A lazy, tired spin move. It was so much fun. 
Patriots Jaguars. I think this one told us a lot about where these two teams are right now. And Patriots teams in week two are obviously completely different of where Patriots teams are in week 10. So I think if we see this matchup again in the playoffs, it's a completely different story. But the Jaguars controlled this one from start to finish, 31 to 20. Yeah, um, it's it's like we've seen this kind of before, with not with the Jaguars, but the Patriots, if, like you said, they, they've struggled early on in the season sometimes against these contenders. And this was a very nice performance for the Jaguars. I think they needed it for confidence going down the road if and when they come up and play the Patriots again uh, in the playoffs. But I'll believe that the Jags are the new you know team to beat in the AFC when they beat New England in the playoffs because we've seen New England have these games in the regular season where they look a little bit lost, look a little bit outmanned, and then they come back in December and they control the game from start to finish and come out with the win. But Jags look good. Final game to get to here, Cowboys-Giants in primetime, like watching paint dry without oh, fail. Boy, are 20 the to 13 bad. Cowboys. The Giants are bad, and I'm so sick of watching them in primetime. I'm so I get sick that of they're them. New York. I love Saquon stuff, Barkley. But... I love Odell Beckham. I cannot watch Eli Manning make stupid Eli Manning face in primetime any longer. Well, I want to see them a... on red zone, and that's it. Eli wasn't great, but also it's like... Eli isn't as bad as the offensive line makes him look. I mean, they, I know they revamped it, but they got nothing. Eric Flowers is one of the worst tackles I've ever seen play football, but they, you know, they're still saying you know, he's this guy with potential and play on the outside. He's not good. They can't protect Eli. And then you're seeing they're talking about, rightfully so, uh, Collinsworth and Michaels are basically saying how you know the first tackler could not bring down Saquon Barkley ever, but that first tackler was always meeting him, you know, at the line of scrimmage, one yard behind the line of scrimmage, one yard in front of it. He was always having to make that move so early, and then you know by the time he makes that yeah. move, it's the NFL. There's a second guy on him. They're they're tackling him after two yards. So it's, I mean Saquon's still so good, but he just they can't block for him. He's, they can't they can't get the ball to Odell move. because they can't protect for Eli. It's 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 it's, it's annoying that like you said, we have to see them play so often. Yeah, because you have two of the best position players at their positions in the league, and I don't think that's an overreaction for a rookie who we've seen play two games. Mm -hmm. What you're seeing out of Saquon Barkley is pure will. He bounced a play that looked like inside zone all the way to the outside and then set up a DB with like a pitter-patter and then a spin move and got an extra four yards out of it. He's, Mm -hmm. He's unbelievable, and he's his career is going to be drastically shortened if he has to continue to run this ball in this manner for any consistent stretch of time. It's just not sustainable, I don't think, to have an offensive line like that in front of him. Absolutely. I know they keep saying they have to address quarterback, and obviously they do at some point. But, I mean, depending on where they're picking in uh, in the draft next year, which it looks like will be pretty high, there's not a great quarterback class out there. You might mm-hmm. just need to address the offensive line. Uh, if they have like the second overall pick or whatever it might be, it, it might be something where, hey, let's trade back, try and get a second first-round pick, and let's draft two offensive linemen we think can be on this group From for, for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't hurt. Uh, some uh, some breaking news here. Not necessarily breaking, but uh, coming down a little bit ago, Steelers coach Mike Tomlin confirming Tuesday that wide receiver Antonio Brown was not at the team's facility. Oh, I saw the skip meetings after joking about the trade. Yeah, so, so not what you want to see, especially when you have your uh, your top stud already not in the building and likely not in the building until week 10, but uh, now your top wide receiver 
also seems unhappy because of a tweet sent by a Steelers fan. Apparently. Yeah, so, um, well, actually, it was a guy apparently used to used to work for Steelers PR, so not just uh, a fan, but yeah. So that, it seems an like... An ex-employee. For such a... thickens. For such a steady franchise over the last couple of years, you know, not even the last couple of years, the last 20 years, uh, yeah. it, it seems like seem, things are kind of falling apart at the seams. Matt, not much to get to on the collegiate front here. It was uh, a weekend that saw a couple upsets, uh, but mostly uh, top 25 blowouts of lesser opponents. Uh, Alabama, once again, print the shirts. And uh, I think let's just jump right into lock of the week. What do you say? Sure. Okay. Give it to him. Uh, well, well, my lock of the week is the reason why okay, I'm not ready full to. Full transparency before we get into it. We should both admit us, that we were both Both wrong. of our locks we did not two. come through. One of our uh, locks I, did win their game, though, and actually almost cover. Um, I moved one to, of our uh, locks I lost moved to two and one on the season. Uh, I'm two and one on the season, Matt. You are now one and two, correct? Yeah, I am, uh, I'm right. going to go back here to the well, – and first, I, I, I don't want to – I'm not going to protest, but uh, my, my original lock of the week was West Virginia. They got canceled, so – yeah, not, not saying, I'm just saying. Um, my lock of the week, though, is the reason why I can't just yet print the Alabama shirts because the Georgia Bulldogs look really, yeah. really good again. Um, they're laying 15 at Missouri. I know Missouri scores a lot of points, and that's all well and good, but Georgia's just a lot better than they are. So I'm going to take uh, Georgia laying the points, 15 at Missouri. I like it. My lock of the week is LSU laying the points. Go Tigers. Wel- welcoming Louisiana Tech. I-, I really am impressed. I'm high on LSU coming off of a win. Uh, Coach O has got the boys playing well. I think that, you know, again, to talk a little bit meathead, there's there's a certain level of buy-in at college that really dictates what you're going to be able to that, do. That's not field. a meathead. In the pros, that might be a meathead take. That's not a meathead take. I really that think is it a makes real a huge thing. difference at the collegiate and high school level. At the collegiate level, you have to be bought in. And when you have a coach, I know it was not the best look for Coach O to be you know, swearing, saying F them in the, in the locker room after the game. But That's okay. His bo- I, it doesn't bother me. Yeah. It, it shouldn't be on camera. I love it. Because it shows buy-in. Him and his boys sharing a moment after the game. There's a ton of buy-in at LSU right now. I like them covering 20 at home against Louisiana Tech. They're, they they look like they're rolling on all cylinders. And honestly, the hot bet going into college football this season, the, the, the hot future was under 7.5 wins for LSU this year. And it looks like they're going to blow that out of the water. They look Dang like it, a real yeah, thing. hammer the over. Hey, and, uh, I think they have Alabama at home this year. That's not... The, uh, the walkover win that we might thought it might be because LSU always is a team that seems like no matter where each team is ranked, that that, that game always seems to end up pretty close. No Tigers. <laughs> nice. Okay. No you know, Tigers. I, I think we should take a little bit of credit for this LSU turnaround because it kind of started <laughs> when we, I, I don't know how often you listen to the very end of the podcast, but I ended mm-hmm. with a, a line from Coach O. And ever since we've had that little soundbite in there, what bite is it? I've, Chick- chicken on a chicken it. on a stick. It was phenomenal. Oh, okay. Yeah. Chicken on a ever stick. Since, ever since I've added that to the end of the podcast, Joe. LSU's been. That was right around the time that they kind of flipped the script after that loss to Troy last year. So they're, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't. Should they bring us down for a game? Have us on the sidelines? Maybe. I think so. Maybe I think, I think they should. I only. I think, I think it's only passes, fair. No, that's not idiot. asking much. Sideline passes, maybe a, a net jets flight. Yeah, I'll, we'll see. yeah. Who knows? We'll see. I'll buy my own LSU <laughs> uh, gear. 
Matt, why don't you uh, you, you have you have some grieving to air? I do. Is that my understanding? It is. All right, hit the music. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, you're going to hear about it. You can't handle the truth. Boy, have you lost your mind, because I'll help you find it. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Joe, my issue uh, is a brief one again. It's not one that's going to take too long, but... Brian Erlacher last night was was uh, honored at halftime, uh, presented, I believe, his Hall of Fame ring, and not his number retired because, for some reason, the Bears are done retiring numbers, so they're not going to retire uh, arguably the best player in franchise history's number. Uh, that's a different debate for a different time. But my issue is we didn't get to see his speech or talk at all. I know the last time they did this was two years ago, I believe, when Ditka had his number retired and was honored at Soldier Field. And they showed uh, the speech. That was, I think it was two, four years ago. I was at that, that game. Was the Dallas Aaron, game. That was the Aaron Dallas, Cromer Monday night. That was the Aaron Cromer team. They so, scored a thousand points and yeah. blew out Romo. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I don't get, I, maybe it's because Ditka was an ESPN personality at the time, but mm-hmm. I, I don't get why, at least on local TV somewhere, we couldn't see that speech. ESPN had a commercial free halftime show. And instead of seeing, you know, Brian Urlacher talk, I got to see the crew break down the game which is fine and then some weird music video of a band and a rapper i've never heard of before i don't really get why at the very least bears fans in chicago couldn't see you know definitely the best player of our generation and one of the best players in franchise history talk for five minutes on his speech because if you i don't know if you watched any of the post-game coverage probably not because you don't have local t- chicago channels the the one on on our channel the the football after show on nbc sports chicago Briggs and Alex Brown, uh, I believe Forte too, all went to Soldier Field and were there for the halftime speech. And, and Briggs was saying mm-hmm. how awesome it was, how cool it was, how many people came back for it, and how special the moment was. And now, you know, none of us really got to see that, yeah. which I, I had a problem with. Would have been nice to see. Uh, I definitely think that um, that was a missed opportunity. But this this Monday night experiment right now that ESPN's doing, uh, it doesn't surprise me that. Yeah. That, that, that this didn't cross the table at a production meeting, um, that they instead went with some a music Florida video. Georgia line wannabe stuff. Yeah, that was yeah, weird. It was. I will yeah. say, I the, whole, the whole thing's weird. Booger McFarland, 20 feet in the air. For, for as weird as that is, that he's kind of on the floating chair. Give Booger. me that job. <laughs> I do think Booger is very good. I think he adds a yeah. lot to the broadcast. I think Booger, I thought, I think he, Booger I is the was, best of that crew right now. Yeah, because he was better than... As much the, as I love Joe T, everything, a four-yard gain sounds like a yeah. knockout punch. Yeah, it, it needs to, which I think that'll change. I think that's, you know, yeah. he, he's still working out how to how to call Monday Night Football. I think that'll change, but I, I am a big Joe Tessitore fan. That is kind of the one knock on... He gets so into every single play, but Booger, uh, Jason Witten's fine. I think he's just as any broadcaster is going to continue to grow. He's not bad, and I just I think Booger just adds so much more to the broadcast than I thought he would. He's been fantastic. I'm just not sure he needs to be on a floating chair. <laughs> it's a cool setup. That said, I'll take I'll the job if they want to give it to me. I'll give it to him, uh, Matt. Why don't we uh, do a little some segments here by ourselves? Let's do it. All right, why don't you lead us off? All right, Joe, you, you mentioned it was a uh, a low-key college football weekend, not much to talk about. I want to pull up the exact score here so I, so I get it right. Uh, but Florida State uh, seems to be a dumpster fire. They, they lost again. Uh, they lost in the Carrier Dome. Tough place to go play, sure, but you're Florida State. They lost 30-7 to at Syracuse. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that is they're, they're now one and two after that awful loss to Virginia Tech at home on opening night and then barely escaping Samford at home. Joe, buy or sell Willie Taggart makes it through one full year at Florida State. I sell it. The you don't boosters think, don't want to see this. I you don't, don't think, think he's he coaching it. November 5th or whatever it is at South I Bend? I don't think he makes it through this year. I think that Florida State's the type of institution that doesn't put up with this sort of uh, futility. They've had nothing but historic coaches, coaches that have found ways to win, coaches that have come in and exceeded expectations. And uh, Willie Taggart's not doing that. The leash is short, and they have the money to buy him out. Don't tell me that they don't. So oh, they, it, if, it continues, yeah. if it continues at this pace, being blown out by teams like Syracuse, Willie Taggart won't see Thanksgiving. He's going to need to change something and change something quick. And everything that you hear out of Willie Taggart's mouth after these losses makes me believe that there's no buy-in. I think that's their issue right now at Florida State is that there is zero buy-in to Willie Taggart. Yeah, I mean, it, it was always going to be a tough job because I know Jimbo was very loved and you know, very well liked in that locker room by the players and all that. And he left very late. Uh, late in the game for you know when you're doing your co- coaching searches when you're hiring people. But that said, like it was a tough challenge, but it's been done before. And like you can have an up and down year. You can't be this bad at Florida State. It's just like you said, it's unacceptable. You have all the resources. You have talent. I mean, Jimbo Fisher's recruiting at, at Florida State was second to none. I mean, he was right up there with Alabama every year. The, the talent's there a year after he's left. It's just this is. Like you said, it doesn't seem like there's any fight. It doesn't seem like there's any care or buy-in. It seems like kind of a team that's all every man for themselves. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I don't think it lasts much longer. I don't think it really does. If this happens for any sort of consistent time frame, it, it's done. And I'm not a big fan of jumping ship on coaches quick. You know, they're they're going to give Scott Frost. Uh, three to four years to figure this thing out. Other coaches are going to get time to figure things out. But it's, yeah, it's different this, scenarios. This is, this this is a team with all the talent ready right. to win. Yeah. yeah, this doesn't feel right. So I wouldn't be surprised. Matt, buy or sell. It is uh, not buy or sell, but sure. it, it, uh, let me preface the buy or sell. Okay, yeah. Golf fans. Let's not play the game. Let's just create a, a question of our own. Golf fans, the next 15 days is going to be fantastic. And I know the casual golf fan tends to tune out. Sometimes after the U.S. Open, oftentimes after the PGA Championship, but the FedEx Cup has been, the playoffs have been entertaining. The Tour Championship is this weekend at East Lake. A lot still to be uh, figured out there, determined there. And uh, it, it's been a fantastic season to be a golf fan, mm-hmm. especially because Tiger has been back and playing. By yourself, Tiger Woods' season is a victory despite the outcome at Eastlake. For him to win the FedEx Cup championship, a million different things need to happen. First off, he needs to win the tournament, and then about five different guys need to finish in the bottom half of the leaderboard. It's it's not going to happen, but by yourself, this has been a success for Tiger Woods despite no wins, no majors, and no FedEx Cup championship. I definitely think it's a success because we, we can't measure Tiger like we used to. We, we, it's just he is not at that same level anymore. He's never mm-hmm. going to be at that same level anymore. That's not just because he's been injured and been away from the, you know, consistently uh, away from the game for a while. It's just because he's 10 years older. But the fact that, you know, a year, literally a year ago, he didn't think he was going to play golf again. And now he's at the point where he is contending. He's in the, you know, final 25 field at the FedEx Cup. That was something that I don't think I, I, either of us ever thought we were going to see again 365 days ago. 
Um, and he, he's at the point where he's competing. He's finishing second in majors. You know, he, he is right there. So it has to be considered a success. Would he, would he have liked to win? Of course. Would we have loved to see him win a tournament? Yeah, but he's right there on the doorstep. And I can't, he, and he's competing with these guys younger. There's more talent than there was when he was around, you know, in his heyday. I, I think it absolutely has to be considered a success. Yeah, I agree with you. And I never thought that we'd see, I really got to a point where I didn't think we'd see this again. I didn't think we'd see Tiger contending with any sort of regularity, but his ball striking has saved him this year. If he can figure it out on the tee, and if he can figure it out on the green, it's going to be another, I think that you could see another multi-win season a major championship or two out of Tiger. Yeah, it's definitely not out of the question. He's he's, he's hanging around. He's doing almost what he has to do. He's just kind of the British. He folded a little bit in the PGA. He had to go up with a pretty epic performance from Brooks Kepka. Yeah, I think uh, I think it has been a success as well. All right, hit me. Glad we're on the same page. Uh, well, oh, I'm going to ask you to buy and sell. So I'm going to make a minor Ooh. tweak to the game here. Buy and sell. You have to buy one. Buy one you have to one. sell one. Um, the NL MVP race, Christian Yelich, Javi Baez, both making fantastic cases. Um, you, you go to ESPN.com, go to the NL, and you, you pretty much click for the, you know, sort each category, each hitting category. Christian Yelich and Javi Baez are in the top five, top ten of pretty much every one. Uh, so, so who are you buying, who are you selling for NL MVP? Um, I'm buying Javi, selling Yelich, just because I've, I have a larger sample size on Javi. I yeah. still... You know, get still get to watch some Cubs baseball out here when they're in prime time. I watch highlights. I've seen more Javi Baez. I only see Christian Yelich when he's doing these things like hitting for cycles multiple times in a season. Mm-hmm. Yes, that doesn't really help Javi's case for NL MVP. But, uh, you know, the MLB is making a point and not doing a very good job of it. I'm not giving them credit here, but... They need to push their personalities, and Javi's the biggest personality in the game right now. And I understand that the league doesn't decide MVP, but at the same time, uh, they need to position a superstar with a brash mentality right in the center. And Javi Baez is that guy. I'm buying Javi. Yeah, uh, I don't think there's a wrong answer, which is the kind of the tough part. I guess for an argument's mm-hmm. sake, I'll buy Christian Yelich, even though I'd probably take Javi. Um I know. I know there was a stretch where Baez really carried the Cubs when you know Bryant wasn't was his health was up in the air and Rizzo had that really really slow start. But Christian Yelich, I mean, he's. I don't want to say he's all they have in Milwaukee because he's not. But Lorenzo Cain has been a very nice player, but outside of his batting average, his numbers aren't huge. Plays good defense. Jesus Aguilar had a, a nice first half of the season, but he hasn't been the same player. Christian Yelich has just kind of been that stabilizing force throughout the lineup for for the entirety of the season he plays a fantastic defense played just about every outfield position at one point or the other this year for that reason i think without him i think if you take both of them off the teams and i know this isn't entirely the the argument for mvp but it is most valuable player you take one or the other off the team i think the cubs figure out a way to still be winning the division be leading doing what they're doing without javi and i think without christian yelich the brewers are you know a middle of the road nl team Oh, so you're taking the the literal value route in yes, most value in most play. value. Yeah. I think Javi's yeah, I don't argue win. with you there. And I, I again, if I had a vote, I probably vote with Javi. But for the sake of the argument, I think there is very much an argument to be made for Christian Yelich, and I don't think there's a wrong decision whichever one gets. You know, ended up ends up winning the award. All right, Matt. Well, 
buy or sell. Sure. Last buy or sell. Find about. Find Think about, so. Find about, yeah. Find wow. About, yeah. Uh, buy or sell. Josh Gordon is a Patriot come week one of the playoffs. Now, just to give you a little context here on Josh Gordon joining the Patriots, in 2013, Josh Gordon's record-setting season where he had 87 receptions for 1,600 yards plus over uh, just 14 games. No receiver has had a better 14-game stretch in the history of football. His quarterbacks were Jason Campbell for eight starts, Brandon Whedon for five starts, and Brian Hoyer for three starts. So if Tom Brady can keep uh, can keep Josh Gordon's head on straight here. So we might be looking at another Brady Moss type connection. But buy or sell, he's on the team come week one of the playoffs. It's it's really really tough because I don't know. Obviously, Josh Gordon has a problem. It seems like he has an addiction issue. That seems to be the root of why the Browns cut him because he showed up late to a meeting and they they assume. I don't believe that's about, true. I don't believe that's true. What? There have been reports that he came in. And w- and seemed out of character, yeah. but the only reports that were given any validity were that he hurt himself during a promotional shoot for a company. Okay. He was doing pro- he was doing promotional work apparently outside of what the team knew. They didn't even know he was shooting this. He was shooting some commercial with a bunch of drones or whatever, and pulled his hamstring. So <laughs> there've been conflicting reports on that, but I I'm of the understanding, and multiple people NFL Network has reported that. He hurt himself. He sustained a minor injury, and this was just the, the last straw for uh, for the for the Browns. They they brought him back in because there were substance abuse issues during the off season mm-hmm. that they that they kept away from the league apparently, and uh, he was able to kind of skate by. And they said last chance, and this was the straw that broke the camel's back. Well, you cleared up for me. Either way, I, I'm still going to buy it because I think what the Patriots. Do over there, there the buy into the Patriot way and all that they stuff. Have, There's yeah. so much structure, like you said, and I think that's good for it. Obviously, it's good for a guy like Josh Gordon, and he he's got so much talent. I think they have to figure out a way to keep him on the field and keep him going. So I'm going to buy it because they kind of need him in that offense, and what he could bring would make that offense so special. And I, I think Bill Belichick figures out a way to make it work because he has in the past with cases like this. I've always thought that. And, you know, right now, Antonio Brown, Julio Jones are interchangeable one, two in the league. But right there, nipping at their heels, it also could be I could make a case for Josh Gordon being the most talented wide receiver in this league. And to give him Tom Brady, I think this is a recipe for for nothing but success. If, like we said, if they can keep his head on straight, it's I don't honest, think it's they up let to Josh him, Gordon. I don't think they let him play with his eye watch on, which could be a problem. He, 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 I don't know if you've seen pictures, but he was playing with an Apple watch on oh, um, with, with the Cleveland Browns. So I think that stops right now. That is a little odd. <laughs> He's got to know his heart rate. I think he likes to know his heart rate. I guess so. <laughs> oh, Matt, it's been another fun pod, buddy. Uh, episode 72 in the books. Why don't you uh, hit the music and I'll shut us down. All right. Well, Joe, before you do, we're, we're on to Arizona. All right. We're on to Arizona. We're on to Arizona. Shut it down. Shut it all down. Shut it down. Shut it down. Houston, we have shut down. I've seen enough. Shut it down. All right, Matt. Uh, just shutting us down briefly. I, I know it. It was it took center stage on Sunday, but just the futility of special teams play and the fourth down failures that we saw. We saw. Uh, kickers both veteran and new blowing games for their teams and uh, giving uh, special teamers around the league and around football at every level a bad rap this is exactly why people say 
kickers, punters, special teamers aren't football players. And I prescribe to the opposite. They are just as integral as anyone on that team and and sometimes more integral. This is why kickers often show up on the all-time scorers list because when you can do it with consistency and you can build a career, you're going to be one of the all-time leading scorers in NFL history. That's how much of an impact they have on the game. Five different games were swung one way or the other by the play of kickers. So I just want to put this out as a PSA. Kickers, punters, they're people. Take a line from Rich Eisen. Punters are people too. And uh, just like wide receivers, quarterbacks, and running backs, kickers deserve the ire of fan bases when they do not come through. That's my shutdown for the week, Matter. No, I'm I'm with you. I mean, this week exactly is why kickers are football players because they can affect the game every bit as much as a middle linebacker, a running back, a receiver. Well said. Thank you. Thank you. Did you see Zimmer's uh, press conference today about cutting? I did. That was, I did. That was ice cold. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't think there's do. anything, like, uh, anything else I'd expect other than that from Mike Zimmer. Yeah, that was, uh, was good stuff. But uh, that's going to do it for the Moose and Reans podcast, episode 72. As always, get at us on social. Uh, we had an empty mailbag today, which is not what we like to see. So uh, you get us get us on the mailbag. We'll, we'll go mailbag heavy. It's NFL season. Ask us your questions. We're here to field them with zero factual answers. Yeah. But we're, but we're going to bring you answers. Yeah, we're I, I good can't at, promise that we're good. I can't promise that they're like going to be rooted in statistic. Yeah. yeah, we're going to say a lot of words, but we can't say a lot of words unless you ask a lot of questions. So get in that mailbag. We appreciate you guys as always. That's it for episode seventy-two of the Moose and Runes podcast. We'll see you back here next week with a tour championship wrap up and a Ryder Cup preview, as well as some NFL breakdowns. Hopefully, the Bears going to two and one. Looking forward to three and one. Looking forward to four and one going into New England. Yeah, I said it. That's it for Moose and Runes. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. (laughs) Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.